LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening. Pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real-life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Together LA's podcast, The Listening Tour, where our goal is to really be able to talk with leaders serving in the LA area, hearing how they are engaging in their city, but also hear a little bit about their own journey and how what they're doing as well, too. So today I am talking with Annette Forster over at Kids Hope USA, as, as well as Sarah Dornboss, uh, not only working with Christian Assembly, but also involved in a program with Kids Hope USA. So, ladies, welcome, and it's good to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Annette, you and I have known each other through all of our different ministries. Tell me a little bit about your role and what Kids Hope does. Yeah. So um, I'm out in the Chicago area, actually, but I work for Kids Hope USA for the past 11 years. We're a national mentoring organization that works exclusively with the local church. And we partner the church with their local elementary school um, and to train them to bring in a structured Kids Hope mentoring program to their school during the day. So the church going in to the school during the school day, but a church bringing a Kids Hope mentoring program. And I'm the partnership uh, growth director for, um, for Kids Hope. How long has Kids Hope been around? Yeah, 25 years. We're yes. actually celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. And Annette, and I'm going to ask Sarah this follow-up question, but for you, Annette, is how did it start? Did it start with Division yeah. One person was working in the school and it grew from there? How did it begin? Yeah, so it started in West Michigan, uh, Holland, Michigan, where our national office is still today. And it was a project that was, um, you know, asked what to do with the kids who aren't doing well in school. How can we meet their social emotional needs? How can we help them move them from operating out of the base of the brain, out of that fight, flight, or freeze, to operating out of the upper parts of the brain? And so, with the, we went to police officers and just to community leaders, and they said, if you would just have a consistent loving adult come alongside these kids every single week and build into them and they would if they would just show up um, for these students um, that would help so we thought what a better place than to tap into the local church um, again nothing to do with the church um, but everything to do with the church going outside their walls and serving their communities so we started with three pilot churches in Holland and Zealand and uh, they are still our partners today and after 25 years, we are actually now in 39 states. We just opened up Nebraska, 1,200 church school partnerships. And now would you say it's more is it an after school program where the kids come to the school? You guys pick them up? How does that look like? Yeah. So it's during the school day, you know, we're, we're distinct in that we tap into the local church. We focus on the youngest of kids because that's when their self-esteem is being formed in this one-on-one -on -one relationship at the safety of the school while abiding by that separation of church and state. So sometimes mentoring happens. Um, it could happen before school if kids can get there. It could happen after school as the staff is still there. But a lot of times during the lunch hour, the lunch recess hour or any time yeah. during the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah, I'm going to turn it over to you. You work at Christian Assembly. Everyone knows Christian Assembly right in the heart of Eagle Rock. How did you get connected with Kids Hope? 
Yeah, so I grew up in Michigan where the national office is headquartered. And when I moved to Los Angeles, a friend of my mom's sent me a packet about Kids Hope, but I wasn't working with kids. I wasn't in the local school, so I threw it away. But the, really my first introduction to Kids Hope was my mom was part of one of those original three churches, three, mm. 25 years ago. And she was actually a mentor. My dad had recently left. She was looking for something to give her life purpose and meaning. So 25 years ago, my mom was a mentor, never thought about Kids Hope again until I got the packet in LA. And then I really felt like this is something our church could do. Christian Assembly was kind of asking themselves, like if, if we up and left Eagle Rock, would any of our neighbors notice? Mm-hmm. You know, other than that parking was better on Sundays. <laughs> would, would, would we have, because we were active in Skid Row, we were active in Hollywood, we were doing a lot of great things in the city, but nothing in our neighborhood. And so that was 14 years ago in 2007. And um, I was also really encouraged by the national office to pray because the, the district, which I'm part of, which is Los Angeles, LAUSD is the one of the most secular districts in the country, and they were not going to likely say yes to a church school partnership. So when I went downtown to the 39 floor of the Beaudry building where LAUSD is housed, I took three stones from the Valley of Elah where David killed Goliath. I had just been to Israel that summer, took those with me all the way up the elevator, and LAUSD said yes, because we, recep- we respect the separation of church and state. So that is how our program began. We began with 15 mentors and 15 kids, which is the most. Kids Hope says start small and then grow from there. And we, when the pandemic started, we had 73 mentors meeting every week at our school with 73 kids. Um, 21 of those kids have either graduated or moved during the pandemic. So we're down to 51, but it's been an amazing thing to stay connected even during this challenging year. And our kids and our families are so appreciative of the support. Now we know that if Christian Assembly left Eagle Rock, a bunch of families would definitely notice our absence. Now, Sarah, when you work with them, is it more one-on-one mentoring? Are you helping them out with some of their homework? Is it a combination of both, everything in between? Yeah, so the national office does a great job of supporting a local director like me. So someone like Annette will source someone like me and I actually run our whole program just on the ground in Eagle Rock. And so we say we want to go far in each session. And that far is an acronym. We want to do something fun, something academic, something relational. That sort of divides up the hour into three different segments. And I help my mentors figure out what those activities might be best for their kids and the the skills that they need. And then, so our bread and butter is the one-on-one mentoring that happens every week, every day at the school. My program is actually after school, not during the school day because my principal didn't want kids to miss out on instruction. But that's one of the beautiful things about the Kids Hope model is it's able to be adapted to your current situation or what works best for your church. And so for our church and our school, we run an after school program, but none of my kids take the bus. There are no buses in LA because everyone lives close to the school. And so beyond the one-on-one mentoring, which happens every week, we've also been able to raise a $600,000 green grant for our school campus to transform our playground into a place that has grass, has trees, has shade. Um, we we were able to raise a grant for doing our um, 
remodeling our teacher's lounge to surprise our teachers one year. And my principal called me. She's like, Sarah, the teachers are crying. Please come over here. I don't know what to tell them. And it was just a way that our church was able to love and serve our amazing teachers. So once you have a partnership that has the mentoring, there's a lot of other ways that the church can partner for sort of one-off projects, which is a beautiful thing about this model is that it allows people to be involved in so many ways. Yeah, because a lot of times schools are probably hesitant and churches says, okay, how will it work? Separation is church and state. But then you now are in relationship. And then once you're in relationship, you're able to influence and impact. They're receptive and there becomes a beautiful partnership. But it does take some time to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 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 And I can't believe And there's a commitment. I mean, we know uh, uh, your pastor, Pastor Tom Hughes and everything like that. But there is a commitment not only for the church, but the entire community yeah. to now advocate for their school. And this is our school. This is our community that we're going to yeah. serve. Yeah. Yes. 90% of our programs actually do go beyond the kids of our, you know, yeah. they because they look at their school and they say tangibly and relationally, how can we wrap our big old arms around that school and just love on them and serve them well? Yeah. Now, Annette, how do you fight the separation church and state for like in Sarah's case, the person she talked to was open to it. Mm-hmm. That can't be the case for everyone. Right. Annette. Yeah, you know, the schools, it's really a no-brainer because, and that's where where I sit with a superintendent or with the principal, and I tell them about our non-negotiables. I tell them about how mentors are trained and the director, like Sarah, um, who is trained, how the director is the point person for the program, the one who will be interacting with the social worker or the principal. And they know this is not, this is yes, the church is going in during the school day. But again, the church is bringing a structured kids help mentoring program. This is about meeting the social emotional needs of the kids, the whole SEL learning, social emotional learning. Um, that is going around the schools. And so that's what our focus is. And we haven't crossed that line in 25 years, um, but that's what we're about. Sarah, where are you finding your volunteers or even your, I mean, your volunteers, mentors? Yeah. Is it lay leaders? Is it younger people in universities or where, where are your volunteers coming from? So that's another cool thing about this model is the volunteers all come from my church. So I have a relationship. They're all members of Christian Assembly, but I have mentors as young as 16, which is the youngest they can be. These are homeschool kids that have transportation weekly. My oldest mentor is 86. She's like, I can't get on a plane to serve Jesus, but I can walk to my local elementary school and read with a little girl. And so it really is a ministry where lots of people of very different abilities and skill levels can plug in because what they need to do best is build a relationship with one child and everybody can love one kid. So I love that it's a way that lots of people can get involved. And then another way, if they are not available during the time that Kids Hope is meeting, they can serve as a prayer partner. So every child in the program has a behind the scenes prayer partner that is matched with the mentor that prays specifically for that kid. And so even though we don't pray at the school, there is someone who's committed to praying. And and for a lot of my kids, that's the only person on the planet praying for them on a regular basis. And we see so much transformation, I think, because we're committed at that level. Um, And I think the other way that we work, you know, at the school, we don't evangelize, we don't preach the gospel, we just love and serve those kids. 
But because we build relationships, we invite them to our church for Easter and Christmas. We have two parties here on Christmas where they come to receive an award. We're having our award ceremony in a couple weeks. Or they'll come for a Christmas party. And they don't have to, but they get comfortable being on our campus. And there was a mom who got out of jail um, and she was coming to our church uh, with her husband. And she basically came because she had come to our party the week before with her sons and was like, oh, I know where the parking is. I know how to get into the sanctuary. And she was trying to start new in her life. We got her plugged into some of our Thrive and Recovery programs, but it just creates that little bridge for people who would never just walk into the church without a relationship. Once they have that relationship, when God prompts them, we can meet them in the sanctuary and help them feel comfortable and supported. And the bridge isn't with their kids. It's also with their parents. It's also with their siblings. It becomes, you continue to grow a network through all that. So Sarah, I totally understand. I actually was in, uh, I did youth ministry and college ministry for 18 years. I really believe that if you really want to grow a church, you start drawing all these kids and they will naturally bring all of their friends because you form that community, which is so important. Totally. Well, we even have 12 kids going to Christian summer camp at Hume this summer after a global pandemic, but their parents trust us because they've been in relationship with us for years. And we provide scholarships for kids to have that experience, which they most of them have never spent the night away from home, let alone at a camp for a week. So it's just so cool how that initial relationship creates all kinds of possibilities outside of that for kids to have amazing experiences. One more follow-up question. I have a couple for Annette. So, but then with your relationship with even the principal or even with the school, what does that look like? Do you guys have regular conversations with the local school council, the school and say, Hey, here are some of the things that we're dealing with. Here are some, is it one of those things where as you develop the relationship, you talk about ways that you guys could further develop and help? Yeah. So I've been really lucky. My principal has been at my school for eight years. Before that, we had a new principal every year, which is kind of how it goes in LUSD. She's not a believer, so she doesn't buy into the Christian part of our program. But she has said to Tom, our pastor, if I was a Christian, I would go to your church because you guys are living out something that is very compelling. Um, so we, she sees us as a huge part of the funding gap that Um, that our school faces every year. We're a Title I school. We have to raise money for our assistant principal position. And so she sees us, the church, as a real partner for things like the Green Grant, for things like the teacher lounge remodel. When there's a special project or a specific need at the school, she often reaches out to us first to say, does anyone at your church have this ability? So for example, there was a classroom that wasn't ready the last school year we were meeting in person because the floor wasn't, there was a hole in the floor. And so it was going to take two months for that classroom to be repaired by the district schedule. She called me and said, is there a construction worker from your church that would be able to do this? We did it that weekend. And then the school was able to offer that classroom to a teacher the first day of school that year. So she sees us, I think, as a lifeline, a support, and really an extension of the school community. We are we are seen as integral to the success of our school, not just as a side thing, which yeah. is ideal. Which actually, one side question for you. You mentioned Title I school. For those who don't know, what is a Title I school? 
So a Title I school is a school that has 50% or more of the students receiving free and reduced lunch. And typically in LA, those students are also learning English as a second language and need a lot of additional supports like an English speaking mentor or, you know, their family is stuck in poverty and just doesn't have a lot of resources. Parents are working hard but just not able to make ends meet and have a lot of stressors in their life. Um, so Title I schools generally do need a lot more community support. And we just happen to be in the same neighborhood with our church. So I know that they have really reached out to us because of that. And that for you from a couple of three or uh, three schools that you guys decided to work with in Michigan, now you have 13 locations in LA. Where in LA are you all located at? Yeah, boy, I should have had that answer. Mostly uh, uh, <laughs> a lot uh, around uh, Sarah's area, right, Sarah? You yeah, can I can speak to that. So um, the only other program in LAUSD is through Bel Air um, Presbyterian Church. That's at Kester Elementary. And then we are in Glendale Unified, LA Unified, San Dimas Unified, Riverside Unified. So all these different school districts in the area. Most of the California programs are in the LA area just because we've spread the word through word of mouth. And what we're doing is so attractional. Churches want to make a difference. They don't exactly know how. And Kids Hope provides a really easy model for a church of 100 members or a church of 1,000 members to just plug into that model, use their resources, use the permission slips they've already created so you don't have to invent that so that you can do what the church does best, which is build those yeah. relationships. And that it should be a no-brainer, right? It, let, let's say, for instance, through all this, a church says, man, we would love to do something. What are the steps to begin then and that, after they call you? Yeah, it, it is a no-brainer. And uh, in churches, they can't do everything, though, right? They can do, uh, you know, some things really well, but they can't do everything. And they have great hearts and wanting to go outside their walls. But uh, especially that church that has the school right across the street, they look out their front door and they think to themselves, am I supposed to be doing something over there? How can I serve the, the school that's just across the street? Um, and so when uh, the steps are, uh, they uh, find a director. It always starts with a great leader uh, like uh, Sarah. There we go. And um, we train, uh, they partner with us. They sign an affiliate agreement. It just says that uh, they're bringing a structured kids help mentoring program into the school. We train the director. They go through an online training about eight or nine hours. The mentors then train as well. Um, our standard is Mentor National out in D.C., and so our training is up to par with that. Very, very good. So in some sense, actually, for those who are listening, if you're working with grade school students or a lot of times if you're a children's youth pastor or something, you could easily do this. This would be a very, very simple and effective way of developing relationships within the school and the community. Yeah, it's a turnkey uh, is what we're delivering into the school. And so uh, churches will come to me and, and say, well, I'd love to mentor, but I'm not a mentoring organization. And you have 25 years behind you of, you know, science and research. And so we deliver this turnkey program to them and they bring in this structured kids help mentoring program into the school. Annette, do you then, as this organization, do you guys go into that particular school in the neighborhood and help them work out an arrangement? 
Yes, we do. And so uh, uh, I'll speak with the superintendent. I'll speak with the principal. Um, sometimes churches already have a relationship with the school because they're doing those tangibles like coat drives or book bags. Uh, but if there is no relationship at all, um, we do um, contact the principal and the superintendent. Um, our launch team then, as uh, after the uh, director is trained, will then um, also uh, uh, introduce and, and speak with uh, the principal and the director and the social worker and the pastor and to get their program going. So um, our support is high. Uh, we come alongside these directors for the life of their program. Um, Sarah, you've been on, how old is your program? 14 school year. 14th school, unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah. And then Sarah, your role is not only do you work with the CA community, Eagle Rock community, but you also are a mentor for all of the other locations as well, too. Yeah. So there's now 14 people like me in the L.A. area who are running their own programs. So I provide support to them because we're the oldest program in Los Angeles and actually in the state of California. Um, so it's really fun for me to mentor and we share ideas of like, what's your theme for your Christmas party? How do you solve this issue? Um, and the national office provides really targeted support. So for example, I had a student that was selectively mute. I have a background as a public school teacher before I started Kids Hope, but I, I don't know about selective mutism. But there's a psychologist on staff with the national office that I can email. So I emailed her about this student. She gave me some suggestions to try with the mentor. The mentor tried them the first week and the student spoke to her. Now that student didn't speak to any other adults on campus for four more years, but that mentor became the lifeline for her in terms of feeling like she could speak at school. And so I think that the national office, like I don't have to be as a director, I don't have to be an expert in all of the things the students might be struggling with because I can reach out to an expert on the national office staff. And so when I meet with our local directors, we problem solve and we troubleshoot and we share ideas, but we also then can turn to the national office if there is something we're stuck on or just need some fresh ideas. So it's a really beautiful partnership model because there's lots of support. Even though there's no one like me on my staff at CA, there are other area directors and the national support system yeah. that can help us. For those who are working with students or those who are working churches who are listening to this, this is a very, very, very tangible way for you to work with the school and your community. It's actually pretty e – you've made it so easy. And plus, you get to work with Sarah if you're in the L.A. area too. And, you know, if there's ever a time that a child needs a mentor, it is now. Um, all the compounding trauma that has resulted from the pandemic this last year, it's uh, the urgency has been, you know, it is high. And so um, we'd love to get as many churches as possible involved and partner with their local school uh, to mentor these kids starting in the fall. Yeah. Hey, for mentors, what what is the commitment? Is it once a year? I mean, one yeah. year, once a week for an yeah. hour? What's the commitment? Yeah. So the um, it's uh, one hour a week, um, and uh, the idea is for the uh, mentor to commit one academic season at a time. Uh, with the same child. The idea is if you can follow the child through the elementary years, we are a K through eight mentoring organization. Our model is you start in the elementary years and then you move on if you choose to the middle school years. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's worse to start a mentoring relationship and stop until have ever started. And so the commitment is high to stay with the same child at least one year. Uh, you know, kids are transient, seasonal life changes for mentors, um, but it's about good beginnings and great 
endings. And yeah. so hopefully I stayed with my child for eight years. Um, yeah. I stayed from first grade through eighth grade. Yep. Ideally, the best volunteers, are, are you looking for anywhere from college, university students? I know there are retired or who are your best volunteers? Which age group does it fit well with? Yeah, Sarah, answer that one first. Who are your best volunteers? My best volunteer is a committed volunteer who takes seriously their, they will show up even if they get a flat tire on the way. Um, and I, honestly, I, I love this model because I have great mentors who are stay-at-home moms and their kids are in school when our early day meets and so they can mentor or I've retired people, but they, if they show up day in and day out for their kid, that does so much healing, so much good in the life of yeah. the child. So really age is irrelevant, <clears throat> skills are irrelevant. We can teach the skills that they need um, to feel successful, but we can't teach them to love. And if they yeah. can come committed to showing up and loving their kid, then we can provide the rest. Oh, that's great. I love that age over. I think I had an 87 year old ask me if she was too old to mentor. Absolutely not. She mentored for the last, the, the following five years until she was 93. Uh, but then you have those homeschool kids, which is great uh, for them to come into the, go into the school with their mom and, and mentor. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 And Sarah, and I was just reading a, a, a number of statistic from Yahoo is 10,000 people a day are turning 65 years old. And uh, and then eventually in a couple of years, they think 12,000 people a day will turn 65 a day, every single day. That whole group right there, that is a great workforce to volunteer and continue to mentor and make a difference in this next generation. The other thing that sometimes folks who are retired are like, well, I travel for a couple of weeks, so I can't mentor. We provide trained super subs to cover for mentors if they are sick or they can't make a meeting because we've committed to every week with that child. So if I have a super sub or a super sub available that can cover for four weeks when that retiree is out on their month long travel, that kid will have the super sub in the mentor's absence. And so send me all the retired people. They are amazing, wonderful volunteers and have so much still to give. And I think they find it as rewarding. Some of my mentors are like, I can't wait till Tuesday. It's my best day because I get to go to the school and do Kids Hope. So it's, it's a two-way ministry, really. Those who sign up to volunteer yeah. are so blessed in the process. But don't you think, oh, go ahead, Annette. I was going to say, that is key, Sarah. That is key because it's not just us helping to change the trajectory of a child's life. It's our life that's being changed as well, right? Yeah. But then Sarah, and that, don't you take a lot of times, especially in this day and age, everyone's so used to Zoom, whether it's older or younger, everyone's used to Zoom or FaceTime or something like that. Yeah, we have, you know, during this pandemic, that's one of the things that Kids Hope researched and implemented, and that was online uh, online um, mentoring. And so uh, it looks a little different. It's about 20 or 30 minutes, but those snowbirds don't have any excuse anymore to not mentor because they can hop online from wherever they are at and still mentor their child. Or in your case, Sarah, having those super subs, that's great. Yep, yep. Well, hey, Annette, Sarah, thank you. And that if people want to find more information about Kids Hope, how did they get in touch with you? Yeah, they could either go to our directly to our website, kidshopeusa.org, or they can email me directly at info at kidshopeusa.org and would love to chat with them. Got it. Uh, and Sarah, I, I, I usually will ask this question. If people visit Eagle Rock, and this is just a fun question, 
where should, is there a fun place that you just enjoy eating at, visiting? What should they do if they ever make their way to Eagle Rock? So it's right near my elementary school, right near Eagle Rock Elementary is a restaurant called Senior Fish and it has the best tacos, which is a, a tall order in LA. The best fish tacos in all of LA are right next to my elementary school. So come pay us a visit and get your fish tacos right after. <laughs> and that's Sarah. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you. And uh, we'll talk again and catch up soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.